Speaking of time, consider this. It's been 145 degrees all day and you've been running around outside walking everywhere because there's no transportation. You're getting more than your fair share of steps in. Not much air conditioning to be had, but there's still a lot to do. And so you're running around, you got uh, activities to do all day, you're wore out, it gets to be a, finally about midnight and you're about to lay down and go to sleep. It gets to be eh, maybe about 1 a.m. and you get this tap on the shoulder. Hey, hey Steve, wait, wake up. Yeah, buddy, what, what's up? <laughs> After just getting to sleep. Yeah, uh, I need to talk. Can, can, can you come outside? Okay. So you, you fumble around, get some, get some sandals on, and walk outside. And then you have a, a teenager, maybe 15, 16 years old, that says, man, I love it here. And uh, I don't want to, I, I know what I'm going to go home to. I know the friends that I have, and I know the difficulty that it's going to be to, to go home and to go back to that. And how do I do that? How, how do I go from what we've had all week here to going back home and, and dealing with that? And this could be kids from, from all different backgrounds. I've had, that, I've had that exact scenario happen at camp. I've had uh, others as well. I've had some that you know where they're, what they're going back to, and man, you just don't want to send them back home, but you have to. And so we have a week. We have a short week to prepare, to help prepare our campers uh, for, for what to do with that. And we have to be ready with an answer of, of what to do with that. And so those are the kind of uh, conversations and many others, countless others that I could tell you <clears throat> over uh, the course of the last 20 plus years. But that's just one example of uh, the things that, that we have the honor of dealing with. It's not a problem. It's not a, it's not a discouraging thing. Now, it's discouraging that some of them have to go through those things, but it's an honor to get to point kids in the right direction. So we've got to, be, got to be prepared. And that's just one of the things I love about camp. I love camp, believe it or not. I know you're surprised at that, but I love camp for these reasons that you see on the screen here. Concentration, it's a way, it's fewer distractions, and it is a mountaintop experience. Action-filled, if you ask teachers, that's how kids learn, right? Fun and fellowship, rubbing elbows with adults, which is extremely important. Just like the examples I just gave you. Memories, scripture memories, role models. I could go back and, and name you a bunch of role models from, uh, from my uh, growing up years being a camper. Uh, friends, oh, special friendships that last a lifetime. And then preparation, preparation for battle. It's a tough world, and it's not getting easier, right? For life, some make ministry decisions, leadership decisions, and for eternity, making those first-time decisions to become baptized and certainly uh, recommitments. And so as we talk about camp this morning, talking about camp in general, I, was, I did not spend my camping years at Spring Mill. I was with, in a camp uh, in North Georgia, uh, but I've worked um, with Spring Mill Bible Camp since the year 2001. So very thankful for that. So as we talk about camp, I know we have some that go to Western Kentucky Youth Camp, and that's great. Uh, I am a little biased being on the board at Spring Mill, but we'll talk about that as well. But just talking about camp and the, what we get to do for children. And I'm so thankful that Northside has a long heritage of that. I was thinking back, uh, Landon's not here, and I've asked him about it. He wasn't so sure, but I think Ken Samuel d designed and built our first uh, 
picnic tables that were up there that converted into a pew somehow, something like that. Some of you may know about that or remember that. Uh, but anyway, you have a long heritage of working with Bible camps and with Springville Bible Camp in particular. So I'm very thankful that we have that, thankful that we get to do this here this morning. It's probably not something we'll do every year, maybe every two or three years as a reminder and to, uh, to get to update you on some of the things that are going on at camp. But speaking about that first time, first time decisions in those baptisms, we have one uh, very familiar face. Oh, it's a little washed out on the screen up there. If you don't know who that is, at the top left and top right, that's Mr. Derek Dixon being baptized by his, uh, his father there on the, on the right. Uh, down at the bottom left corner is a gentleman baptizing his daughter just last year. And then at the bottom right corner, would like to point him out. He's a very, uh, <clears throat> very special camper that we had that his, uh, his parents didn't identify with the church. I don't, I don't believe at all. Um, but they brought him to camp every year. I don't know if it was a vacation for them or what, but they brought him to Bible camp, drop him off. They would spend the week with us. And uh, he came back after he graduated and wanted to be baptized. And his sister did too. And so we get that special opportunity. As we teach kids and as we uh, get that time with them, it is far-reaching. I'm just here to tell you, it reaches out because we, we spread the word. They take that back home. They take that to their friends. And so uh, camp is very very far-reaching thing. If you've been baptized at camp, I want to see if there are any others, or directly, maybe soon after as a result of camp, would you please stand up? All right, thank you. You can be seated. All right. So, since we are talking about camp, and we're going to talk a little bit about Spring Mill Bible Camp in specifically. It opened in 1963, and so this is our 60th anniversary this year. And SNBC is a 5013C nonprofit organization operated by a board of directors selected from Churches of Christ in Kentucky and Indiana, and we've even had uh, some from Missouri and spreading out uh, beyond that. And so Keevan Gray and myself, we serve on the board of directors as representatives from here at Northside. So if you have any questions, please ask Keevan. He'll be glad to answer. Okay. Here's a camp map, just to give you a little bit of orientation. We're not going to spend a lot of time. I only have a few minutes. So uh, coming, you, you would arrive down below where it says parking. I don't know if this little down here, that shows you how shaky my hand is. Ah. Um, so that's where you would turn into the property. We have four boys' cabins, as you can see on the right side, five, currently six girls' cabins on the left. Goshen is probably on the chopping block, just to let you know. The sixth cabin is a new cabin, which is between Gaza and Jericho. Uh, we have cafeteria with rooms uh, enough to, to uh, sleep about 24 staff to seat about 150 uh, for, for eating. Sand volleyball, a basketball court with four basketball goals. goals. The OR building, which is the Orville Roberts, not the Oral Roberts, the Orville Roberts building which is our central meeting place with a stage, baptistry, pews. We can get about 300 folks there. Also, our canteen is located in that building. And then the little building above the basketball court is the uh, sports building, which we'll talk more about that in a minute because that is important for us here at Northside and then the nurse's cabin to the left. So just to give you a little bit of orientation, I know we're going quick. If you want any of this in paper form, I'd be glad to get that for you. Or you can visit us at our website, Spring Mill Bible Camp, 
www.thecafeteriaproject.com. All right, just take you on a quick little tour. This is the cafeteria. Again, seating for about 150, staff rooms upstairs for around 24. And we have a lot of meetings, a lot of fellowship that takes place on that porch right there. It's like a big Cracker Barrel style porch. No rocking chairs, but plenty of seats. This is the OR building, our central meeting spot. Again, with stage, baptistry, and so forth. Just a, a quick view there. Our nurse's cabin. The cabin is on the right. We have four rooms in kind of a triage area in the middle with an open pavilion to the left that we use for Bible classes and registration and various, uh, various activities together there. The back of the nurse's cabin, which has our storm shelter, where we have classes and crafts and that infamous uh, singing in the basement, which sounds so good because everything echoes. <laughs> so everyone loves to go down there and sing. So we, and, and it is important that we do have a storm shelter because it seems like any storm, any storm that comes through southern Indiana or Kentucky is going to go through camp first and knock down some trees. Just, just here to tell you. All right, moving on to the cabin. So this is one of the original cabins, Damascus. This is one on the boys' side. Uh, from my understanding, uh, some of the original folks cut down the trees, took them to town, had it milled, brought it back, and built the cabin. So they're, they're, uh, they're, they're 60 years old. And uh, they're not very uh, sealed up <laughs> and insulated, if you will. So we, uh, when you have a bunch of cabins in the woods, it takes a lot of maintenance, a lot of work. And so that is the old Damascus cabin. And this is the new Damascus cabin, in case you haven't seen that. It is finished now and completed. We did use it last year. And so the, it is larger, easier to maintain, and cost a lot of money. I'm just here to tell you now. About $150,000 to be exact. When we started talking about a building project years ago, it was about $35,000. And now, $150,000. And that was with a gentleman giving us almost a $50,000 discount to build these. So uh, we're thankful to be able to have that. This is the newest girls' cabin, Berea, which is in between the two that I pointed out earlier. And so it is an uh, exact replica of Damascus. This is the interior of new cabin. Uh, we have went from sleeping about 12 uh, in the old cabins to... Uh, 20 in these cabins, plus staff. Uh, more sinks, which I'm sure at least the ladies will be happy about. So uh, just more space in general. And concrete block bathrooms so we can spray those things out instead of uh, you know having them <laughs> gather mold and clean that out every year. And they are ADA compliant, compliant and we have an ADA compliant shower install, uh, bathroom stall as well which we've already received feedback from some folks that needed that. They're so thankful for it. And so a uh, uh, good work there to have that available for them. And some of the, the fun things that we have to do, basketball, volleyball, tetherball, tennis, field sports, carnival games, playground, etc. cetera. Uh, we have a, a field. We call it a softball field, but it's more like a football field. If you get a hold of softball, it's gone in the woods. And so we don't really play a lot of softball on the softball field. And our campfire area is also out by the softball field. And there's our playground. Yes, that's a picture back when it was new. The paint's faded a little bit. But we had some very talented folks 
come up and weld that together and build that from scratch. And so we're thankful for that. Good playground for the, for the little ones. Now, the sports building, as I mentioned before, that's very important to Northside. Sometime in the past, which I think uh, goes back to the Rick Leach days, Northside adopted the sports building. And so it's, uh, I think it's an old teaching shelter. One end was closed in, and that's where we store all of our uh, uh, sports items. There's some more sports items there. And Keevan Gray and Susan. I think Susan helped too, right, Keevan? Oh, no. No, he didn't? Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. Keevan's been hard at work. He refinished uh, one, of the, uh, uh, one of the tables there. Oh, what's that game called? Carpet ball one of the carpet ball uh, tables. So um, this Saturday, this coming Saturday, if you'd like to join us, about 11 a.m., we're going to have a work day just to kind of clean and organize the sports building. I don't know that there's a, a, a ton to do, but we'll clean it up, make sure that everything's stocked and ready uh, for the camp season. All right, on to the numbers. So last year, day camp, we had 30. Intermediate, 60, with one baptism, all ages 108 with six baptisms, all ages two, 88 with two baptisms, senior weeks both around 50 with one baptism each, and all ages, uh, th the third all ages week with 96 campers and six baptisms for a total of 483 campers and 17 baptisms. I was looking back over the numbers over the last 20 years, and it's, it's, it's kind of gone up and down. We've had as many as 688 campers in a season going back to the mid-2000s, and so um, you know, COVID affected everything. And uh, with COVID and with uh, school, uh, the school season getting longer, summer's getting shorter, we actually had to, to uh, condense two weeks into one, which affected our numbers as well. 76% of our campers last year identified with uh, Churches of Christ, 21% with other denominations, 3% with no church affiliation, which we believe might be larger than that because... Uh, some may put right down a church affiliation, but not really attend very much. So we think that number is a little bit higher. 33% were first-time campers. And kind of a change this year, 51% male, 49% female. Usually that is, that is the opposite. And that's why the females win the tug-of-war every year. Okay? Because the guys are, no, the guys are outnumbered. Let me just make that clear. All right, some fun numbers for you. How much food gets used during a year of camp? 12 gallons of syrup, 10 gallons of ketchup, 100 gallons of green beans, 100 pounds of cottage cheese, 1,400 gallons of Gatorade, 2,000 hamburgers, 2,500 eggs, 4,000 biscuits, and 3,500 half pints of milk. So just some, some, uh, some numbers there for you to chew on. Our building projects that we've had going over the last 20 years, we've completed two new septic systems, two new cabins, and uh, heating for Cana and, and Hebron. We just recently replaced that. We had those old uh, REMC heaters where it heated up bricks through the day, and then it would heat up the cabin at night, and it would be too hot, so you're constantly battling that, plus they were just ancient. And so um, we've replaced those. Cana and Hebron were built in the mid-90s, and uh, they have, and so that was the original heating in there. So that has been replaced. Our, our uh, new building projects. We need to put new siding on the nurses' cabin. We need to update the cafeteria heating system. Replace the director's cabin. If you've seen that little log cabin, that little termite-ridden, uh, about to fall down, log cabin. The director. So 
Some of the directors stay there. <laughs> we need to refurbish Cana and Hebron. And also, we are prepared to build two more new cabins. We built the septic systems to, to support that so that we would have, the end goal is to have two new cabins on each side, Cana and Hebron, which were built in the mid-50s, and then keep one original cabin on each side, both the boys' and the, and the girls' side. And I believe that would, that would raise us uh, up to about the maximum that we can have um, in our cafeteria for eating and so forth. So as, you know, if we were to in increase our capacity too much, then we don't have the capacity to feed them. And so uh, everything is kind of a domino effect. And so we, we try to mitigate that, not grow too fast, but we still want to grow. All right. And rally day as we wrap up, as I wrap up. By the way, Jason Jones will be coming up to speak here in just a minute after me. And he's going to talk about what camp means for him and his family and also uh, what it means for our youth here at Northside. And then Keevan Gray will, will come and uh, have a Bible lesson to kind of tie all of this together. So Rally Day is the third Saturday in May every year. Um, this year it's on May 20th. It is a virtual Rally Day, but there is a singing on Sunday, May 21st at 3 p.m. You're more than welcome to come to that. Our goal is $60,000 for 60 years. So Rally Day usually kicks off the camp season. We report on the work at SMBC, kind of like we're doing here today. And uh, we do take collection for camp, and awards are given. The money collected goes to the general camp fund for maintenance and to uh, supplement camper costs. When I first started with Spring Mill, camper cost was $70, but it cost us $126 per camper. And so we've we've... We've worked hard to keep it affordable. And so that difference in, that, in, that, uh, in those costs is made up with Rally Day and the gifts that are, giving, that are given then uh, because we want as many kids to come to Spring Mill Bible Camp as possible. We don't want costs to be in the way. We do also have um, scholarship funds, and so it, it's not a problem if there, there are kids who want to come to camp can't afford it. We make it happen. So please, give to camp. <laughs> we used to be afraid to ask for that, but I'm just going to hear to, hear to say now, it takes money. It takes money to operate camp. It takes money to do anything. And so certainly, Northside first. We're asking you to put Spring Mill Bible Camp second. I'm so thankful that we have uh, Spring Mill Bible Camp on the budget yearly here. And uh, very grateful for that. And so thank you for all of your involvement with Spring Mill Bible Camp. Um, I could go on and on. I could talk all day about Bible Camp and tell you uh, what it means to me, what my history is with it, and what, what it done for me as a, as a Christian, and what I think it does for, for thousands of kids every year. But we'll, we'll move on. Unless you want to stay here for five hours. We'll move on. SpringmillBibleCamp.com, we have a new shop that's uh, just in its infant stages, and so you can check that out. We're going to have more and more uh, supply or items there for purchase, along with various, the various logos that we've had over the year. So be sure to check that out. And I just want to say, in closing, kids, Bible Camp is worth it. It's worth your time. It's worth your effort. It's worth going up there and doing. You're going to make memories and that's going to last a lifetime. You'll never regret it. And parents, you can make it happen, okay? You can make it happen. Thank you so very much for all of your involvement and everything that you do. Jason? All right. Uh, I'm just going to take a few minutes and, like uh, Steve said, just kind of share the importance of, of Spring Mill Bible Camp to me and to my family. 
Um, so to start, uh, it'd probably be an understatement to say that SNBC is is special to me. Um, I spent a lot of my childhood going to camp, um, being a camper. Um, the first year that I remember was uh, an all-ages week when I was 9 or 10, somewhere in that range. I may have gone before that, but I don't remember. Um, I was baptized uh, at camp in 2001, so the year that I graduated high school, not to give my age away. Um, but I also, um, I guess another special part about SNBC is, is that's where I met my wife, Candace. Um, not to go into the whole story, but um, we met in 2014. Uh, her sister-in-law kind of uh, connected us, and we started talking and um, started dating, and we met at camp while I was at a retreat. Um, fast forward a little bit. We were um, talking one day, and we discovered an event that both of us remember at a week of camp that it was at the same week of camp, and that was the only year that she went to a senior week. Um, and I was a I was a counselor that week. She was a camper, and we don't remember each other from that week of camp. Um, but we have a picture, and we're both in it. So we were both there in 2003 um, at a week of camp, but we met in 2014. Um, so just to show you that God can work in um, amazing ways, sometimes you you probably good that we didn't remember each other from 2003 but we uh when we met in 2014 a year after that i we got engaged in the parking lot that um steve was showing you where it was uh i proposed to candace there in the parking lot at snbc um so just such a a special place to to me and to to her as well and uh we want to get our boys um get them to have that same same feeling and, and, and to grow to love SNBC the way that we do. Um, I was also, some of you may remember or know that I was a part of a drama group um, called Cross-Eyed. Um, that was through Oklahoma and me and some of my friends. And, um, and we performed at camp many times. We got to go and perform on stage and, and that was always a good time. Um, I've even... Uh, been invited to go speak at a week of camp, and I've spoken at, at some um, retreats at camp. Um, just a couple weeks ago, I was asked to go speak at a, a senior high retreat for Oklahoma, um, and I love it. So if I get offered to come up there, any anything to get me to camp, I'm down. I'll be there. Um, so so I, don't, I don't know if I mentioned this yet or not, but camp is, is special to me. Um, it's special to, to Candace as well. She grew up going there to a different week than I did, but, um, but we, we had a lot of connections. The friends that we've made over the years, um, we knew a lot of the same people. Um, so I, I, I just want to encourage you, as, as Steve mentioned, that um, camp is important, and, and we think um, that it's a special place, and, and I encourage you all to go uh, to the teens. Um, and I know you may go to Western Kentucky as well, but um, but camp camp is special, and it's very special in my life, very special uh, to my family as well. Um, but I encourage you with kids or grandkids to encourage them to be a part of it and to, to make the memories. Uh, like Steve mentioned, 
I could probably talk all day about memories that I've had at camp, um, but we're not going to do that today. Um, and, and another thing is uh, that, yes, it does, there is a cost involved, but um, I was told uh, before I went to Honduras um, on a mission trip, I went 15 times, but before I went, I was, I was told, don't let money get in the way of doing the Lord's work and doing what God wants you to do. And, uh, and I was told several times by even family members, oh, it's going to be hard to, to raise that amount of money. It's going to be hard to get that much money. But I went 15 times to Honduras. So if I can go 15 times to Honduras, that costed 10 times as much as camp does, um, then, then the money will come for you to be a, a part of camp. So don't let money stop you from going. Um, so I just encourage you, um, to, to get involved, whether it's um, by supporting one of the teens that goes or one of the kids that, that goes to a week, um, but, but encourage them, support them, um, and, and even go for yourselves. If you have a chance to serve uh, on staff, uh, I encourage you to do so um, because you, you'll be blessed. It's, it's such a blessing to, to be a part of. I have to admit, on more than one occasion, I found myself praying and said something like this to God, Lord, why didn't you put three and four-year-olds in charge of the world? I mean, I really do think they could have done a much better job than what us adults have been able to do. It wouldn't be near the mess if we had little three and four-year-olds in charge. A couple of days ago, I was standing out underneath the maple tree and taking just a little break, and a little boy came up to me. I don't know. He's here this morning. I think he's about three years old, but he came up to me, and he said, would you like to hear a joke about pizza? And so I went over to him because, you see, a lot of times they are built, little three- and four-year-olds, they're built real low to the ground. You know what I mean? And so sometimes, sometimes you have to get up uh, pretty close. And I bent down to him and I said, of course I would like to hear a joke about pizza. He said, I won't tell you, it's too cheesy. <laughs> you, you did get it. I've been, I've been told and have witnessed to the fact that, Rodney, this is a hard crowd sometimes. So... Rodney say that's exactly right. Anyway, actually that made me think about a whole lot of things about little children. The psalmist writes, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. In that same psalm, the 127th psalm, He continues, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Many, many congregations of the Lord's church today, if you were to go and visit, you will find very few, if any, young people. And in many of those same congregations, you will not hear the sounds nor the cries of little babies or three or four-year-olds because there are none. And that, my friends, 
is a very sad thing. But here in this family, the North Side Church of Christ, and when they are all in here, I know a lot are missing right now, but I'll tell you what, we have been blessed greatly with children. We have teenagers, we have little babies, three and four-year-olds, all of those other ages. And maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me like we're growing a little bit more in that all the time. And you know something? For this congregation and for our future, that is a wonderful thing. It is. It is. 3,500 years ago, the voice of God shook a mountain. And the holy, eternal God, the creator of us all, spoke to a man named Moses. The holy God spoke ten commandments, as found in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we know the first one very, very well. The first one is, you shall have no other gods besides me. The fifth one, in some ways, has been difficult for me personally. I mean, I understand part of it. Remember the fifth one? Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Of course, that is Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. And as I've already said, I understand part of that. Everybody, all you children, Whatever your age is, whether you're four or 54 years of age, children, if we want the nation to endure, to last, to continue on for a long, long time and not fail, then, then the children, year after year after year, generation upon generation, must honor their fathers and their mothers and must be taught, and must be taught to honor all of those who are in positions of authority, such as the police and school teachers, and on and on and on the list goes. Dare we wonder why our nation is in such trouble? And the Lord gives no qualifiers. This is the hard part for me personally. God does not say, honor your father and your mother. If they are such wonderful parents, I mean, if they have been voted the best parents in the whole state of Indiana two years running, then honor your father and your mother. No, no, no. He doesn't say that. He says simply, do it. Honor your father, and your mother. As I stand before you today, I do not want you to think that I'm standing up here, that I believe that I am just the best father that ever walked on the face of the soil of Indiana because I don't believe that. Oh, I've done some things well. But there are some things, if I could... I would change them. It's too late for me. It's too late.
But hopefully I've learned some things along the way for the last 25 years, hopefully. You see, children, we, you, must honor your father and your mother. We must honor our fathers and our mothers. You know, I still have my father and mother. I know you find that hard to believe. You say, man, I look at you, you're ancient. You still have your father and your I do. Susan's parents are gone. Dad Hinton's been gone now 12 years. May the 2nd, just a few days ago, 12 years. I still have my father and my mother. Dad is 93. Mother is 92. I am still their child. I am still to honor them. I'm reasonably sure that all of you parents here today, that all of you or almost all of you claim to be Christians. And so I am also sure that all of you would say as Christian parents, of course, I love my children. I really do. I love them. And I believe you do. I do. But if I could give some words, some thoughts for us to at least consider, be patient with me now. Bear with me. Please don't get mad at me. If we love our children, first of all, we will want to live our lives in such a way that it will make it easy for them or easier for them to honor us. We will, you know, somebody has said, the greatest thing a man can do for his children is to love their mother. That's a great thing, a very great thing. But I believe the greatest thing would be for parents would be to love the Lord God with all of their being. And as Christian parents, to love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, with all of our hearts. To be people of the truth. To be people who are faithful. To be people who always take a stand in love on the truth. If we love our children, secondly, we will understand that each child is a soul, a precious, precious soul. So very precious in the eyes of God, his and her maker, each one is unique, right? Each child is a soul and is unique a living soul that God has entrusted to you for just a little while. Oh my, don't the years fly by so quickly, parents? <clears throat> the psalmist said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he adds, you, O oh God, created my inmost being. 
What would that be? Your inmost being, my inmost being. Why, wouldn't that have to be the soul? The soul? That's Psalm 139. Thirdly, if you love your children, mom and dad, you be a man of prayer. Mark talked some about prayer this morning in our class. You be a man of prayer. Be women of prayer, mothers. And from very early on, teach each one of your precious children to pray and to be thankful when they pray. And I might throw in a good helping of this. Teach them to say, please, and thank you. Boy, that went out the door long ago, didn't it? Please, and thank you. And should I add this? I believe I will. Teach them how to work from early on some age-appropriate jobs and tasks to do so that, and follow them through, don't badger them, but encourage them to begin and finish those age-appropriate tasks and responsibilities so that, so that when they grow up, they will be responsible not irresponsible. And if you love your children, fourthly, you will, boy, I've, I've talked about this one quite a lot over the years, and parts of it people just don't like. I'm not letting us off the hook. I'm going to say it anyway. If you love your children, you will teach them to be obedient. You won't be harsh and demand the nearly impossible of your children, but if we love our children, we will teach them to be obedient. We will. And when they are just flat out disobedient, this is the part people don't like, and when they are just flat out disobedient, and you know they're disobedient, and they know they are disobedient, you will discipline your children. No, no, no. I did not say abuse your children. I did not say that. But discipline them. Yes, believe it or not, discipline them. A little real pain never hurt anybody. Maybe I should repeat that. <laughs> A little real pain never hurt anybody. You know the book of Proverbs is still the truth. It still is. And in the book of Proverbs, there are many scriptures that talk about children being obedient and the disciplining of little children. Here's one. I know you were about to ask me to give you some proof, so here's one. Proverbs 13, verse 24. 
He who spares the rod hates his son. Did you catch that? Hates his son? But he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Key words there, discipline and careful. Careful, firm, but fair and consistent. And if you love your children, fifthly, you say, I thought you'd already given us about 20. No, this is number five. Just all the different ones have few different parts mixed in together. If you love your children, fifthly, you will nurture. Sounds a lot like nutrition, doesn't it? You will nurture your children. Oh, yes, yes, provide good food and a safe place to live. But you see, our children don't need mansions to live in. No, no. Our children don't need mansions to live in, nor do they need a constant truckload of toys backed up to the house and dumped out month after month. They don't need that. They don't need that. The same thing is true about those of these older children, namely teenagers. As they become teenagers, they don't need teenage-sized toys to play with. No, no. Do you know what our children need, moms and dads? I'm glad you ask. Our children... Moms and dads need you. Yes, that's what they need. They need you. And the main care and development they need is the nurturing and nourishment for their souls. So... Parents, mothers and fathers, teach your children. Feed your children from the time they are babies with the Word of God. And oh, if I could add this. Take advantage of opportunities for their nurturing in God's Word, like, uh, what's the name of that place? Spring Mill Bible Camp. That would be a good one, wouldn't it, Steve? Yeah, that would be a good one. <clears throat> Parents, don't be too tired. Don't get distracted. Don't be lazy. Ephesians chapter 6, bring them up in the nurture and instruction of the Lord. And you know what? This passage, Ephesians 6, is for both mothers and fathers, but especially for fathers. Bring them up, fathers, in the nurture and instruction of the Lord. My good brother, I'll only give you his initials, S.C., said, keep it to 10 minutes. 
Another good brother, his initials are BM, said, 15 minutes is all right with me. I didn't know which to choose. I've exceeded both, no doubt. I hope to encourage us all today. Maybe there is someone here this morning and you're not a Christian. I would say this to you. Obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ and him as your Savior and Lord, to be honest with you, you're lost. You're lost. Long time ago, God came to earth 2,000 years ago. His name was Jesus. He died on a cross, shed his precious blood to take our sins away, to set us free, free. And to give us new life and a purpose and and a future resurrection. It is his power, it is his love that can also change us and transform us into the fathers and mothers we ought to be, into the husbands and wives we ought to be, into the teenagers that you ought to be, into the old people that we ought to be. His power. Faith in him and his power and love. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, Jesus was asked, Lord, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he gathered to himself a little child. Now, I don't know if this is right or not, but in my mind, I imagine a little child. You know, a little three-year-old, way down here. Maybe a little four-year-old child. Because, you see, they are humble and trusting and very, very honest. <laughs> Somebody has said, sometimes brutally honest. Very, very honest. No, no. These little children down here, they are not prideful. They haven't gotten there yet. Not condescending, these little children. Not with the attitude, I just could not care less. No, no. They don't have that attitude. But they are humble, teachable, humble. Did, did I already say that a couple of times? You, you caught that? Humble. I hope we think about these things today. God help us. I was trying to remember a quote from C.S. Lewis I read just this morning. Not sure I can remember it. <clears throat> I don't have my phone. I don't, it's out in the car, and I don't have any means of osmosis so I can, you know, tune in and see what, a, what he said. But I remember he talked about little children. He said they really are not 
a distraction from the more important things. They are the most important things. 